Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Today, we're talking Golden Globes from top to bottom. Uh, top to top middle. Top to middle. Top to middle. <laughs> I hate it here. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Guys, on Sunday, the LA Times dropped, uh, not a bombshell, I think we all know the HFPA <laughs> is pretty is pretty, is pretty corrupt and, and awful in a lot of ways. But it, they it was put just, in the work. It was nice to see it all, it, it was nice to see it all sort of uh, collected in one location. Uh, among some of the bigger things that they talked about were the fact that uh, certain HFPA members are pulling in a salary of uh, $2 million a year. There is um, the HFPA is 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 bringing in around uh, several million dollars a year, which is then turning, which it's a nonprofit organization, but uh, much of that is being uh, turned around and paid out to members for their services. Um, some members who obviously didn't want to speak on the record um, for fear of ostracization from this literally eighty-seven member organization are like what the fuck um this is messed up it's not moral it's not above board um and yet oh my god you guys there is this tiny part of me that feels bad because freelance journalism is is really hard and especially in a pandemic and there is a certain extent uh where i feel uh maybe it's I can understand more uh, paying your members for services they they provide uh, as far as writing goes for the website, things like that. I, I can see why and how you would do it. I don't think they're doing it the right way, and I think it's going to get them in trouble even further than what the LA Times has revealed. But there was a part of me that, like, in mid-pandemic America that was very like, oh, God you got to make rent. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was the least for me, that was kind of the least of uh, the shocking things that came out. Um, yeah. They mentioned how the HFPA has sort of become flush with money over the course of the past couple of years, because the contract for the golden globes has ballooned from 3.64 million just a few years ago in 2016 to now 27.4 million, uh, is what NBC is paying for it. Um, so their coffers are full as it were, uh, and then there are just the general things that I think we all touched on when we talked about the nominations. The fact that, you know, 30 members of the HFPA were flown out to France to visit the set of Emily in Paris, which is how just I will always say it. Five-star hotel. <laughs> five-star hotel. Um, yeah, and, and then, uh, surprise, surprise, what shows up on the nomination list? Critically but, uh, panned. <laughs> Emily in Paris. And its uh, star. Lily, Lily Collins. Collins. Uh, but yeah, I think my favorite part of the article, and I mentioned this to you guys before, was uh, the Gary Oldman quote where he uh, said that uh, he referred to the HFPA as uh, nighty nobody's having a wank and that he called for a boycott of the silly games that, that, is, their, that is their awards ceremony. Uh, then he changed his tune when he was nominated for and won for Darkest Hour. <laughs> yeah, if you play the game, they can forgive 
a lot. And this is not new. The HFPA has been mocked for years, uh, including from the stage by like, uh, let's say, uh, Ricky Gervais, a person that they came, they brought back uh, to host time and again. Um, and also his criticisms of the HFPA were really the least uh, offensive things he said while he was hosting. So at least it had that going for it. Um, but I mean, listen, like I'm, I'm deep in a 30 walk re- rock rewatch and I just watched an episode where uh, Tracy Jordan is, is having a screening of his dramatic role for uh, the HFPA and Jen is trying to convince him to bribe them um, because that's, that's, that's how what you have to do. And uh, this is kind of, this is, a, this is sort of a roundabout to, to my other favorite uh, reveal from LA Times Sunday reporting. Um, but when they had this group of quote unquote HFPA members in this room for the screening, there were at least three African-American people, uh, which is how you know it's fiction. Because in another story the LA Times ran on Sunday, they revealed that there are no black members amongst their 87 membership, um, which is uh, goes a long way in, in explaining some of the things we were upset about uh, when nominations came out earlier this year and is extremely upsetting <laughs> and unacceptable, honestly, at this at this point. I like the tidbit about uh, all the members. This is an old story, but all the members getting uh, coach watches in 99 to try to get Sharon Stone a nomination for The Muse, the Albert Brooks film, The Muse. <laughs> It's very strange because you will find across the board within the industry, publications have limits on what uh, journalists, the, on, on dollar amounts that journal, journalists can accept gifts um, from studios, from productions, and they're in place for a reason. But also, <laughs> there are plenty of people that don't work for organizations that, that have those limits or disregard them or, or and and... And I don't know. It's very strange for me as a journalist because I've never actually received any kind of swag that has made me feel more favorable about something. But no one has flown me to Paris and put me up in a five-star hotel for several days. So I don't know. I saw a lot of defending of the Paris thing from like, that's a junket. That's how that's how these things handle, handle junkets when, when they're, you know, to far-flung p- places. And I guess maybe then the junket system is broken. I... Well, it's it's worth noting too that this isn't that, that junkets like that do occur. There are set visits in which you know journalists are flown out to you know interview different stars and get behind the scenes look and have a better understanding of the show so that when it comes out they can write about it. But ninety percent of the time, those journalists are staffers on a certain website and they're being invited because they want that website to cover them and thus they you know they can have whatever questions they want they can frame the stories over they want like the impact of what they're reporting uh will be felt outside of of that event that happens during the set visit whereas targeting a group specifically of hfpa members where you know again these are 
journalists. These are people who are, or you know, they may be writing for the website, which was another point mentioned in the LA Times article about how that was encouraged and what kind of money you could receive for writing articles for the website. Uh, but they should be placing those stories elsewhere. So that may occur. But we know that from this article and elsewhere that that's not exactly how it works out on these specific visits. These are targeted. Like these are, this is targeting the HFPA. This is designed to woo them. This is designed for a specific purpose and it happens all the time. Like these are, there's, there's various trips, various invites, various, uh, you know, sessions, uh, and, and org like, like different studios, different departments within those studios, uh, that are designed to cater to the HFPA's wants, needs, and, and whims. So it's just like, uh, there, there is a separation there. There is, there is enough of a separation where, you know, to me, you can, you can see the difference once you're in it, even if it's, I guess, harder to see when you're outside of it. But like, to me, a lot of it is just the results of what comes out of those kind of things. Uh, not to mention, I, I've never been to a junket where I'm, where I or somebody I know has been at that kind of, you know, that kind of location, that kind of... <sighs> At the risk of saying the loud part loud, uh, if if in Ben's example, you're flying, you know, writers who are staffed and are going to write articles about the show, that there's sort of like this give and take of like, we're giving you access so you give us press. In the HFPA angle, there isn't that press. So what is the... Quo. Yeah, no, exactly. The, the, the quo is then your your vote when it comes to Golden Globes time, uh, or or your uh, more more thought towards our show when you're when you're putting in your ballot. It's the consideration part of the FYC. Yeah, um, that's the quo. The quo is for consideration. If there was a rule that like, every article or every tweet announcing a winner was then also preceded or followed by just just so you know, only eighty seven people voted on this. Like this is the in the opinion of eighty seven random journalists, this is who they think is the best. Something that I'm I'm very interested in is the deadline for submitting final ballots for the Golden Globes uh, is today or was Tuesday at 5 p.m., um, two and a half hours before, or two and a half hours after we're recording this. And um, do you think they feel shame? Do you think there are some voters that feel shame and change their ballots? Or do you think they just don't give a shit and they're just going to vote the way they were always going to vote? Well, that's one of the nice things. I mean, one of the few nice things, I guess, about the article itself, like they did talk to people within the HFPA who were sick of this shit, who like really wanted change and have been trying to advocate for it, you know, without a lot of success for, you know, at least a few years now. So like there, there are people in there who, who hear what's being said, who recognize the need to change, who recognize, you know, the, the desire to reflect the community, to up their standards, whatever it is. Um, and hearing that, seeing that in print is also a nice thing to realize. And with something as insular as the HFPA, where literally, you know, the start of that article is, is a lawsuit being filed against them where, you know, somebody who was trying to get membership was denied and they thought it was unjust or argued that it was unjust. Um, you know, it's, it's an insular group. It's, it's going to be hard to make those changes. You know, it's not likely they can just keep adding thousands and thousands of voters every year. 
uh, like the Oscars, like the Emmys. Um, so I, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but it, it is it is something that there are people in there who do know what's being said about them and and, and understand the consequences of it. Uh, so I hope I hope some like I, I mean I I'm going to give all the good choices, all the reasonable choices, all the choices. Uh, I'm going to assign it to them. I'm going to say that was the source in the LA Times. They made the right decision. They got through. All the others were split uh, down the ballot voting for insane choices that somehow got nominated. But, Emily um, and Perry. Uh, well, let's talk, let's talk about some of the predictions. Obviously, we're not going to go category by category because we could be here forever, uh, especially with the way that Ben likes to play devil's advocate. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I think he I mean, likes to advocate for himself. Yeah, but same difference. And yeah. I, and then I would I would advocate for the wrong choice purposefully, and then Ben might actually buy into it. I mean, like, there's a chance that could happen. And then somehow... it's the gloves, baby. So yeah, Ben's gonna have all his predictions up on Friday, correct, Ben? So you can check yeah, those. Really. So check those out at IndieWire.com. But I'm gonna steal his thunder on Thursday. I'm gonna write about my crazy pants. What I wish the Golden Globes uh, nominations and winners had been. And I think it's going to include stuff that didn't come out this year. So uh, it's going to be great. Like uh, Jeremy Strong is great in Succession season three. Uh, <laughs> did sight, get it? sight unseen. Yeah. Barry season three was incredible. HBO had a really, really good imaginary year. Strong, uh, strong imaginary year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You guys talked about a couple of things up top that, or before we started recording that we wanted to talk about. Let's start with the sort of comedy question, what's going to happen in the comedy races? It seems like it's Ted Lasso v. Schitt's Creek. Uh, what are Sudeikis' chances against Eugene Levy? Opening the floor. Ben, do you want to take this first? Ted Lasso v. Schitt's Creek. What do you got? Please. I was very swayed by Ben's thoughts on this. So, Ben, take the lead. Oh, God. I don't even remember what I said. I I, I am in the Ted Lasso camp at the moment. Uh, I have it going two for two. Um, I don't see a lot of things changing that before the globe ceremony comes out. Um, I really think that Ted Lasso is kind of the ideal globes pick. It is the freshman sensation that debuted after the Emmys. That is nothing but positive vibes. Like it's, it is a positive show. It has gotten almost exclusively positive attention, uh, whether that's reviews or a growing fan base. Uh, it's from a network who uh, Apple TV Plus, who's very eager to to be you know in the awards race and be crowned and have that kind of Emmy front runner next year. Uh, so I think their kingmaker status is going to be in full effect, and and they're going to go after Ted Lasso. Now I know um, the narrative of the Emmys uh, was Shit's Creek. Uh, I know that we were a little hesitant to embrace that narrative for quite some time, uh, and still may or may not be haunted by memories of, of how well that show has done. Well, Ben, anyway. ben, ben can I interrupt for one second? Always. I is, is the great, is the great also like a classic HF, HFPA show? Uh, I would agree that the, that the great does feel like that kind of show. Uh, it is strong. It's got three nominations to Ted's two. Um, I'd argue, I mean, obviously I have a personal bias against this as well, just because I didn't love the show as much as a lot of other people. That being said, it, it it almost feels like it peaked too early to be the HFPA pick. It it if it would have if Ted and that would have been reversed, I feel like this would have been a much tighter race. I also don't know if I feel great about the great performing as well in the other categories, uh, given the competition. Uh, I mean, 
Nicholas Holt winning Best Actor would be a true HFPA surprise, so I guess we should never write it out. Um, Elle Fanning is obviously very well liked and, and could be somebody that, that won over the Academy. Um, but I, I just, I think that's what makes this year's comedy series so hard. Like it would be a lot easier if you could pick between two, at least in my mind, if it was just Ted Lasso versus Schitt's Creek, um, then it would be a lot easier for me to be like, listen, they're going to play the favorite. They always pick freshman series. They haven't picked a show for best comedy series beyond the third season in like 20 years. And they've only done that two or three times. Um, the great being another well received freshman comedy kind of throws a wrench in that whole thing. So it could happen. I just, there's just, it just seems like tent. It just seems like tent. I mean, the, the gold derby odds are very close for those top three shows with Schitt's Creek at 17 to five, Ted Lasso, 18 to five and the great four to one. Um, so they're all kind of packed in there. Uh, and then the flight attendant Emily Paris have the same odds, nine to two. I have to believe that uh, odds making the Golden Globes is uh, maybe harder than Pre- odds making a precarious position to be in somewhere at the Emmys. Uh, I mean, especially because, especially, and and I get tired of saying this as much as you get tired of hearing it, but especially in this year, without the the buzz cycles, without the FYCs, without all of that. Um, in consideration, we are really, really flying blind at this point. Um, that's part of the reason the Golden Globes do hold the stature that they have is is usually the first out of the gate, and they give us a sense of, of what we might be able to expect from like the WGA, DGA, um, and, and and so on. Despite the fact that they, it is just this tiny group of people, um, if only the Emmys are... occurred last two weekends ago. <laughs> yeah, on Pro Bowl Sunday. Sunday. Um, if only but uh it's it's um i don't know it's it's gonna be a mess but it's gonna be an interesting mess which i don't think is the case over in drama um so i think where we landed is it's either gonna be a schitt's creek sweep or schitt's creek isn't gonna win anything or it may pick up a couple awards is that right yeah those are the options <laughs> yeah <okay. laughs> uh so moving on to limited series is is this Queen's Gambit, Queen Ga- Queen's Gambit to lose, uh, or can the film anthology series Small Axe, the collection of five films known as Small Axe, take the TV movie limited series uh, category? My concern is that Queen's Gambit and Small Axe might split, and that's how we end up with the Undoing winning multiple awards um i'm seeing the undoing at the bottom of a lot of uh prognosticators lists over on gold derby which is confusing to me because it feels like that show has a ridiculous had a ridiculous amount of buzz in the last few years or in the last uh, few weeks to months um it definitely came out later than everything else um i don't know i i'm very frightened by the undoing uh, I don't think it's as good as I don't think it's as good as Queen's Gambit. I don't think it can touch Small Axe, which is a film anthology, uh, but still <laughs> much better. And but I, I I do think that it feels like Golden Globe bait. 
Um, it certainly does in terms of the movie star argument you were making earlier. Also, uh, the other two nominees here, Unorthodox and Normal People, those superior shows feel like they came out years ago <laughs> because they, they were like they er, early quarantine viewing. They were. They, they uh, normal people especially. Um, and, and then also, also unorthodox. It, that, that's what you run into with the, with the uh, January 1st to January 30th, or <laughs> the different calendars between Golden Globes and the Emmys is like these things that, that cross over between seasons just feel like they, they happened a decade ago. Um, which I think works against Schitt's Creek too. It's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Like I, I just, this is a mess. Um, and I'm afraid it could go very wrong very quickly. And, uh, that would be upsetting, especially if that is the narrative we're kind of riding for the next six months with the Emmys. Um, I'm not ready for the undoing to head into the Emmys as the favorite. Uh, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm unhappy about it. I think even if, even if the undoing does win limited series, which I also agree is it's, I think it's probably the second position at this point. Um, I think even if it does win, it's, it's not going to be the front runner at the Emmys. I think Queen's Gambit will be until proven otherwise, but I understand the the trepidation. Um, But I, I would say that I think you should, like we should all probably start expecting the undoing to win a Golden Globe because I think Hugh Grant is going to win. Um, I know Ruffalo is the Emmy winner there, and, and everybody would love to hear from Ruffalo. There's a couple of, of Showtime spoilery candidates in that category as well, where you're just like, this seems like somebody that the that the Globes would just pick, like Brian Cranston again. Yeah, they love him. Why not Jeff Daniels? Of course, like he's just that guy who just upsets people all the time. So do it. Even Ethan Hawke. Like there's three Showtime picks in that category which is just unbelievable but to me a lot of it you know comes down to instead of just who do you want to see at the ceremony since there isn't a ceremony who do you want to hear give the speech so i think they're going to click the hugh grant button i think they're going to check that box uh that being said just to continue playing the confusing who knows what the hell is going to happen card unorthodox is a classic pick for the Golden Globes. It's one of those things where it's like, well, we're going to write it off because it came out a while ago because it doesn't have the star power of these other shows. And that's the one that they just choose because you know what? They're going to tell everybody to fuck off and we like to surprise people. They want to nominate, you know, they want to get Shira Haas onto the screen as the young up-and-coming star. Uh, they just couldn't pick a favorite between the other limited series. And also it's really, really good. So maybe they just responded to it being really, really good. They never forgot that. Uh, so I... I not to you know completely fail at my job is trying to predict these things but there's a lot of openings like there's just a it's just a hard year and a and you know i also think the globes it's hard oh yeah i also think that there's that there's a global angle to unorthodox um more so than than with some of the other options um i just don't know about small acts uh i don't think that the globes failing to embrace small acts really says much of anything about small access chances. Um, I just, I, I, I'm still, it's still, still something that's percolating and I, I'm very interested to see how TV responds. Ben, TV awards bodies. 
Ben and Libby, how often do the Globes want to, I'm thinking specifically of the Rami win last year, do they like to be the kingmaker after the Emmys has passed on something? Where it's like, you didn't do this thing, let us do this thing, as opposed to being the lead, like the lead kingmaker. Like, we're going to award this before you even get a chance to. Unless we forget, uh, Golden Globes did give the Americans a best drama series. They did. It's final season. So, sometimes the answer sometimes okay that's the problem with the globes is that they don't have a lot of internal consistency their consistency is their aberrations and their refusal to (laughs) adhere to their own uh habits and then uh we didn't really want to talk about drama because the crown's gonna win everything right no not everything bateman (laughs) jason bateman will win for ozark all right bateman baby Ben, I don't want to strip you of your opportunity. Oh, that was it. I just wanted to yell. I know, honey. But it will also likely win supporting actress for Gillian Anderson. No? Uh, Yeah, and lead actress. For uh, probably Emma Corrin. Yeah. Uh, So of all the categories, the least dramatic is drama? Oh. Anyway. Good job, Leo. (laughs) Uh, any parting thoughts leading into the show? I mean, we, we've kind of talked about, I think, some pretty insane scenarios. Uh, I, I don't know if there's like, what's the most, what, what would be the most random thing that could happen on Sunday? Ratchet winning drama? Shut <laughs> up. Yeah, that's mean. You're not, even supposed, you're not even supposed to speak no, it into. Don't know. <laughs> don't believe in it's like the opposite of the secret everyone tune in for the golden globes on nbc no, this sunday don't don't <laughs> do it i mean don't do it but don't, don't do it don't tune in you know don't what tune don't tune in. tune in check out the podcast next week we'll tell you who won yeah we'll tell you who won next wednesday and how to feel about it well it's time for a segment we don't do often but ben gets excited every time we do except time, for the last two weeks it's it's time to do a little wakeboarding with ann dowd uh, ben, last Friday was Apple TV Plus's TCA day, and they were talking about the wakeboarder in the wakeboarding with Ann Dowd scenario, Justin Thoreau's new show, Mosquito Coast. What can you tell us? Uh, well, I can tell you first and foremost, it's the Mosquito Coast. The is important in the oh, title, so never forget the the. Uh, secondly, I can tell you that it's based on Paul Thoreau's novel of the same name which was already adapted into a movie starring Harrison Ford back in the 80s and is now being readapted for television by Neil Cross, who's written on things like Luther and some other shows that we shouldn't talk about. Um, But Justin Theroux is not only starring as uh, the lead character, the family patriarch, Allie Fox, a rather eccentric inventor who uh, may or may not be in a bit of trouble with the law, uh, but he has uh, his, his wife and his two children and uh, the pilot, which I can't talk about, I just realized, uh, <laughs> sets up a, a, a rollicking adventure in Mexico. Um, I think it's worth being excited about, I will say that. Um, and throw as much before, not only is he starring, he's also executive producer on this uh, endeavor for the first time. So that's also very exciting. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if there's going to be actual wakeboarding in the show. I cannot confirm or deny that, but I, I, I mean, there's potential because of 
the coast. So there's water and probably boats. And that's exciting. Is Ann Dowd so, in the show? Ooh, also cannot confirm or deny, but I don't I don't think so. It, if she shows up, like just pulls on to the titular mosquito coast in a boat, just tell him throw to hop in back, give it all the awards. She has another gig. She, it's not like she doesn't have other things going on uh, yeah, in active Libby, production. You just mentioned that that's a very cold, chilly, <laughs> so cold. distant place. Maybe she needs a break for just a few mm. days of shooting on the southern coast with her BFF uh, and visiting her second BFF, Kuma, who we all know and love. So like, let's let's just let's hope for the best here. Let's let's try to be positive. That's true. As to add a little more context to this, um, this show seems like something Apple's really excited about. Um, obviously not out yet, but uh, look for them just to be up. pushing this hard come Emmy season. Of course, Justin Thoreau. And then uh, look for Ben to be exclusively handling all of our coverage of it throughout Emmy season. No. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation IndieWire. Theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video of Bjork Talking About TV and Willie Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson, our publisher is James Israel, and our executive editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite Golden Globes winners of all time are The Kaminsky Method, Party of Five, and Glee. Why is there, an, was there always an exclamation point there? Or did you add that? Oh, I thought there was. Oh, I think I it's I to check. indicate enthusiasm. Oh, yes. <laughs> IndieWire's Millions of Screens endorses 2010 Best Film winner, Avatar. What the fuck is happening? What happened? You are on timeout from writing the outro. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire at Ben T. Travers and at Lee Adrian Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo. Remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> <laughs>